This is Exit Velo, powered by BackSportsPage.com. This is Exit Velo Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Q. I'm here with my homies, Ryan and Henry. How we doing tonight, guys? Hanging in there. Doing good. Doing good. What about you, Henry? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I'm excited to talk about uh, a little NL East action with you guys tonight. It's, it's an exciting division and certainly a lot to dive into. For sure. I'm feeling great. Ready to talk about the NL East. Baseball is just around the corner. And uh, without further ado, let's dive right in. We're going to start with the Atlanta Braves, boys. Who is playing third base for Atlanta this year? That's a good question. Um, they obviously had Josh Donaldson. That was one of the best pickups. One low-key, one of the better pickups of the offseason uh, last year. I'm going to pull up their depth chart really quickly, see what they have. That's probably their one hole. Right now, um, it looks like Camargo is probably going to be their third baseman. That might be their only hole on this team, though. They won this division uh, handedly last year. I think they're going to do it again. Um, Henry, I don't know what your thoughts are because the rest of the division has improved, but this team is pretty damn good. I I agree. I think it's a great team. Uh, the Braves are my pick to win the division. Uh, but I would like to see Austin Riley get a little bit of time at third base. And it looks like him and Camargo are going to have to battle it out uh, in spring training. But, you know, Riley really burst on the scene last year, hit a whole bunch of home runs and then cooled off in a major way. But he showed us he can do it. I'd like to see him play a little bit more at the hot corner for Atlanta. For sure. They are always mentioned in trade rumors regarding Nolan Arenado and Chris Bryant. You guys think that'll come to fruition, or that's just all rumors? I think it's all rumors. I think that Chris Bryant is staying with Chicago. I would be hard-pressed to see him go anywhere else. Um, I could be very wrong, because I know that Atlanta is on the cusp of it, but I'm pretty sure that I think they're confident in Austin Riley or Johan Camargo. I think their team is pretty much going to stay put. And I think the only moves that they could make are are regarding the rotation. Yeah, I think that uh, Arenado is probably a little too pricey for Atlanta, too, uh, at least long term. So maybe Chris Bryant would make a little bit more sense contract-wise. But I agree with Ryan. I don't really see it happening at this point. I think that ship is pretty much sailed, and the Braves are moving forward with what they have. If the Rockies or the Cubs come out and they're duds to start the season, then maybe uh, those rumors heat back up again. But as for now, I think Atlanta's comfortable with where they are. For sure. Guys had some good points. But let's get into Dansby Swanson. Is he reliable or is he suspect? We really haven't. I mean, he certainly hasn't lived up to number one overall pick from a couple years ago. I'm pretty sure he went to Vanderbilt, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, he, he, he was a talk of the t- 2015, the first pick. And, and then last year he has a 748 OPS. So I know that this guy was supposed to be the guy. Obviously, Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna have passed him in that. Um, so I guess lucky him that it, it's okay that he's not what he is because they have MVP candidates on this roster. But if they want to go over the top, I mean, they, they, I, they, the last couple of years for Atlanta has been – to get ready for the final jump. And I think this is the year where they really need to step up to the plate, especially when you have Mike Soroka last year, who was a rookie. He was in the Cy Young conversation for crying out loud. So I think Dansby Swanson needs to step it up big time this year. I agree with you, Ryan. I think Dansby needs to take it another step forward. If the Braves are going to get over that hump and be a world series contender. Uh, I mean, I'd I'd say they are a contender right now, but if, you know, if they're going to have a chance of winning it all, uh, Swanson started the year off really well in 2019, but then cooled off uh, big time in the second half to where the full season numbers don't look so great. And I thought he was a better defender than I'm, I'm seeing looking at his baseball reference page. Uh, he was below league average two of the last three years at his position. So Dansby is, has certainly been a disappointment with his prospect uh, pedigree. Most definitely. When you drafted number one overall, it's a lot of expectations and he's shown some flashes of greatness but he is not consistent and I have to agree with Ryan he is an x-factor for the Braves this year lastly you mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr can he repeat 
his year like he had last year and solidify his credibility as an elite top five player in the game? He probably already is a top five, top five player in the game at this point. He wants to be 50-50, 50 homers, 50 stolen bases. I think it's very possible for him. And he's just, what, 22, 23 years old? I mean, he's... He, he is 22. He's And he's awesome. And he's certainly lived up to the height. Uh, what last year, 41 homers, 101 runs batted in. Uh, he only had an 883 OPS, which is pretty surprising for someone who hits 40 plus home runs. So he he may like once he makes contact, it's I would like to see him get a little bit more extra base hits. But he's a damn good player, and he is he's he probably already is top five. I think he's right on the fringe of that, if not in it. He's he's certainly one of the most exciting young players in the game. And you look at how great he was last year, just about going 40-40. He might have even been even better his rookie season where he had a 917 OPS. Uh, granted, that was only in, in part of the year, uh, less plate appearances. But I think the sky's the limit for Acuna. He, the Braves run through him. He makes that lineup go. He's their best player. Freddie Freeman, awfully great too. But I'd give the slight edge to Acuna there. He's the anchor to the lineup, and I think he's in in line for another great year. I have to agree. When you're compared in the same sentence at that age, 22, to Freddie Freeman, even better. It just shows you how good this kid can be. And he certainly is the straw that stirs the drink in Atlanta. Let's move on to the Marlins. They added some good pieces this year. They got Jonathan Villar, Jesus Aguilar, and Corey Dickerson. Is this lineup now fortified for the Marlins? I would not say fortified, but I do, th- and I don't want to say that they're close either. But I do think that they're going in the right direction. I think that even last year, everyone felt that they were a 50-win team, and we actually saw some teams that were worse than them. Sandy Alcantara is actually a very nice pitcher on the top of their rotation for them. And you mentioned Dickerson and Aguilar, who is a pure power hitter. He was an all-star, I believe, two seasons ago. They're not the Marlins of 2018 and 2019. They're not a postseason team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're taking some steps the right way for once. I agree with Ryan 100%. It's good moves for the Marlins, and they got better. They're still not uh, contending, and they, they'll finish in last in this division, most likely. But they kind of had some good players fall on their lap this offseason with the Orioles just straight letting VR go. Actually, I think that ended up being a trade where the Marlins sent back something pretty minimal, but it was, uh, it, was, uh, hard. It, was uh, it was not a king's ransom for VR. They pretty much gave him away. And then Jesus Aguilar and Corey Dickerson, too. Uh, pretty easy additions to that lineup who – Factor in is some of their better hitters. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of potential there in their lineup, but they'll still be pretty bad. I like uh, Brian Anderson as well to try and build off of last year's success. But the, the, I like all five of their starters, and they're not household names by any means. But you look at Caleb Smith, Sandy Alcantara, Jordan, Jordan Yamamoto, Pablo Lopez, and Eliezer Hernandez. All Each one of them showed flashes of brilliance last year at times. And I think that they could surprise some people, but certainly uh, not expecting them to contend. Watch out. Derek Jeter is making some moves here. People have complained that the Marlins were very stagnant and almost throwing seasons the last few years, but he's putting something together. They're in a tough division right now. It's not their time, but have some hope, Marlins fans. Let's get into my New York Mets. What does Robinson Cano have? Well, last year in the second half, he actually played pretty decently, and that flew under the radar. His power is certainly not there anymore, and his health is a question mark for the first time in his career as I don't think he was ever on the DL or the IL now up until last year. Then he had three separate stints on it. So I'm sure that the Mets are not too thrilled with, obviously, the Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano trade that they made. Obviously, they gave up Jared Kalenic. But at the same time, Cano wasn't abysmal in the second half. The first half was pretty bad. But second half, he seemed to turn it around. I would like to see Cano, uh, now that Cano has had a full offseason where he's, you hope he's healthy, I think that he can give the Mets something of what they're looking for, 20-plus home runs and a bit of an uptake in the batting average and getting on base for them. 
And they don't really need a whole lot from Cano. Uh, they don't need him to be their best hitter anymore. They, he can be the, the fourth or fifth best bat in that lineup, and they can still be plenty good. I don't think you know it's going to be a huge ask for Cano, but I do question uh, how much he will be able to contribute getting up there in years, coming into his age 37 season. Uh, hopefully the injuries aren't a problem moving forward for him, but you never know when a player gets to that age. There's a lot of mileage on those wheels, uh, but I think he's still capable of providing a little bit of power, and the batting average has stayed respectable even with the, the decline for Cano. So I think he can he can have a decent season. I'm not expecting uh, him to be an MVP contender or anything like that, though. All right. Cano, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, is made out of tinfoil. Speaking of tinfoil, can the top three starters stay healthy? They made additions also with Rick Porcello, former Cy Young winner, and Michael Waka, former, former NLCS MVP. Can these three top starters stay healthy in DeGrom, Syndergaard, and either Mats or Stroman. Well, they're going to have to stay healthy because the Mets have solidified themselves that their path to winning is based on the starting rotation. And I know that Syndergaard, I know that no Syndergaard has had a couple of stints here and there. But at the end of the day, and same thing with DeGrom too, I think he actually wound up on the IL last year and the year before that. And he won the Cy Young Award in both of those years. So I think that as long as you are getting 28 plus starts from DeGrom, from Syndergaard, from uh, Porcello's literally never heard. He's had 29 or more starts in five of his last six years, I think. And we'll see what Marcus Stroman is. Marcus Stroman is either really good or he struggles. And I think this is the year where you really need Stroman to prove himself because you got rid of a lot for him. You got rid of some really good prospects for a year and a half where you might not even make the postseason. So the Mets really need Marcus Stroman to be the all-star that he was a couple of years ago. They need the Marcus Stroman to be like 2017 World Baseball Classic Marcus Stroman if they want to have a chance to win this division, which they, they have a good chance, guys, but... They need their rotation to really perform. Yeah, I really like the Mets rotation. I don't think you have to worry at all about DeGrom at this point. Like Ryan said, two straight MVP seasons. Uh, He's thrown 200 innings in each of those last two seasons. Uh, And Syndergaard actually got to 197 innings last year, which I didn't know was quite that high. Uh, It it had been lower the, the two previous seasons. So he's a bit of an injury risk. Uh, I think Cindergard will be a big factor for the Mets rotation. Uh, but Stroman is a guy who was really great in Toronto last year. And then coming over, the numbers dipped a little bit, which was weird. Uh, you'd think that going up against the pitcher spot, he might have expected a slight boost in those numbers, but it didn't really happen. Uh, but Steven Matz is still very interesting as well. And he's another guy who, who has had those injury concerns in the past. I imagine he'll have an IL stint at some point. But the question is, can he give you quality innings when he is out there? Most definitely. Circle Noah Syndergaard's name because he is absolutely crucial for the Mets this season. All right, going into Edwin Diaz. Can he return to his former save-leading campaign, or is he absolute buns now? He can't get any worse. And last year was pretty bad for Edwin Diaz, and... I think he's going to be better simply because he's been better. In 2019, no, excuse me, in 2018, he was he was the best reliever in baseball. Last year he was probably one he was one of if not the worst, but we've seen a lot more positive from Edwin Diaz than negative, and I think just the fact that he was one of the biggest splashes of the offseason. He was a really big splash for the Mets, one of their biggest in that last decade. And he and it's not like he struggled here and there. He was bad all season long. I would be very surprised to see Edwin Diaz have a repeat of last year. I would also be surprised if he did what he did in 2018. He's going to have his blown saves. He struggled in his first spring training appearance the other day. He's not. Every reliever blows saves. Every reliever blows games. Mariano Rivera, I remember at one point he blew three games in a row and he got booed off the mound at Yankee Stadium. Mariano Rivera, of all people. He's going to have his struggles, but I don't think that he's going to have a 5-5 ERA. And something else about Edwin Diaz, guys. Last year, he had a career best in strikeout per nine ratio. So he was his stuff is still nasty. 
He just has to locate those fastballs. His slider is still there. It, it never left. But he has to locate those fastballs and not leave them right down in the middle of the plate where these power hitters in the NL East are going to tattoo him for the entire season. Yeah, I agree with everything Ryan said right there. I think he certainly gets better than 2019. We'll probably not getting all the way back to his 2018 dominance. Uh, but it's kind of just the territory, not only with the environment that we saw with the baseball last year, balls leaving the park at a historic rate, and Diaz was affected by that as much as anybody else in the game. Uh, but, you know, relievers by nature kind of just a little bit unreliable year over year, uh, just in that there's a lot of variance in the performance. And I think we saw a really, really extreme case for Diaz here. I'd expect him to be pretty good for the Mets this season. And like Ryan said, too, the stuff is still dominant. 15 strikeouts per nine is insane. He's just got to keep the ball in the park a little bit better. And also, like Ryan said, it can't get worse. Most definitely, Edwin Diaz cannot do what he did last year. I'm going to throw one last question about the Mets because I could talk about the Mets all day long, but we're going to try to keep this quick. If I'm going to throw a scenario at you right now. Cespedes stays healthy. Lowry's healthy and productive. Edwin Diaz returns to old form. Their starting rotation is healthy. Do the Mets win the division? <laughs> so if everything goes right. Well, the one thing about Jed Lowry is that if he's healthy, I don't think he has a spot. Unless if Robinson Cano is hitting 220 and hitting, and he has four home runs by the month of June, maybe we have a different story. But right now, Jed Larry is not going to be playing over Jeff McNeil at third. He's not going to be playing over Ahmed Rosario at first. He's not a first baseman, and then you can't find many first basemen to play over Pete Alonso at this point. His only chance of playing right now is at second base, and I really don't think that you're going to leave Robinson Cano, who is making 20-plus million dollars out of Jeff Wilpon's pockets. As for Johannes Cespedes... I think when fully healthy, Cespedes is a better player than Brandon Nimmo, at least, not, offensively at least. But you know what? I think that's a good problem to have. I think that if you are not totally sold on J.D. Davis being a 300 hitter again with 850 or 900 OPS, then you plug in Cespedes in left field and you give J.D. Davis that fourth outfielder role where guys like Conforto and Cespedes is obviously going to need days off. And Brennan Nimmo has already been having some cardiac issues that we've been seeing over the last couple of days. So I think Jed Lowry's kind of just a non-factor at this point. But Yohannes Cespedes is looking good, guys, and he's swinging the bat really well in live BP, and he's hitting these balls really far. Now, the problem is, who knows where there's a spot for him on this team, but this team needs some outfield depth. It's a good problem to have if Yohannes Cespedes stays healthy. Which one of them plays center? Right. Nimmo is probably going to be the opening day center fielder. I think they really want to keep Conforto in right. And J.D. Davis is going to be the left fielder simply because he's an infielder by trait. But your opening day outfield looks like Davis in left and Nimmo in center and Fordo in right. Well, I was kind of just daydreaming ahead to Suspides in the lineup. And I was thinking that yeah, I'd really, you know, you want to keep J.D. Davis and Conforto in there most likely. So then maybe Nimmo's, or Nimmo's the one that you're trying to, to replace the bat with. But if he's playing center, that makes it a little more tricky. But honest, I honestly, I forgot Suspides even existed. I'm sorry. I was, I was interrupting you there. Nemo. <laughs> I was Nemo finding Nemo. Suspides, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have to say, listen, guys. Suspides, if he's healthy, will play. Because simply, he is electric when he is healthy. And as long as he hits the ball hard, I think he will get a spot over Nemo eventually or J.D. Davis. Because the dude is the truth when he's healthy. One last question. Will people get a scouting report on Pete Alonso? And can it be effective? Or is he the next Messiah? Uh, I don't know how much I believe in, like, sophomore. I mean, I know that they happen. But we're at the point now where we have so much technology. And baseball is a long season. You play 162 games. Do you really – were you not able to figure out that Pete Alonso like, still strikes out a lot? He was top five in strikeouts in last year too. So pitchers have him figured out. When he makes contact with the ball, it's going to go far. That's just the way it goes. So I don't understand how 
like pitchers figure out Pete Alonso after an entire season when I think you can figure him out in about 60 or 70 because of how because like I said baseball is such a long season Pete Alonso is going to be a 35 plus 50 I don't know but nothing should surprise you with Alonso he is a pure power hitter always has been always will be and I'm really excited to see what he has in his second year as a Met I'd say that, you know, he'll get – I'd like him to hit 40 homers maybe as, as his floor. The power is elite, like you said, Ryan. Uh, but I do think that pitchers kind of did start to figure him out. Uh, as you saw in the second half, the power was still there. He still hit 23 homers in the second half. That's incredible power. But the batting average drops from 280 in the first half to 235. Uh, the strikeouts were high throughout. So – Hopefully uh, we get the good Pete Alonzo this year where he's hitting for power and average uh, and can give you a well-rounded approach up there, uh, continue to get on base at a high rate. But I I don't know. I'd, I'd project him maybe as more of like a 260 hitter going forward, but I think very safe bet for 40 bombs with a chance to hit 50. Pete Alonzo will hit 40-plus bombs this year. Pitchers still really don't know how to pitch to him. He strikes out a lot, yes. But when he hits the ball, it's that cesspitous quality. The ball jumps off his bat. He has incredibly good bat speed for his body size. And it's going to be tough for pitchers this year facing him because the dude has a rocket bat and the ball flies straight off his bat. Let's get into the Phillies, guys. Does Bryce Harper have another MVP season in him, or is he simply falling off. I'm at the point in Bryce Harper's career where nothing would surprise me. He can hit 380 with 55 homers and 140 RBIs and I'll be like, "Yep, that's Bryce Harper." And then he can also hit 220 with 29 homers and 80 RBIs and I'm like, "Yep, that's Bryce Harper." Cuz he's done everything. His MVP season and even the following year where he was going crazy and then he missed like two or three months because I think it was a thumb injury that he had that year and a half or year and three quarters. He was the best player on the planet, arguably, but overall his career has been a glorified Adam Dunn, 260, 35 homers. And I remember when he signed that contract, I was just like, I don't know. In what world are you giving a career 270, 280 hitter that kind of money? But, again, at the same time, he has shown flashes where he's unbelievably talented. I think his talent is there. I don't know if it's hype. I don't know if it's pressure that he's putting on himself or pressure that us fans in the media have put on him. But at the end of the day, no matter what he does, nothing should surprise you. That's just how I feel about him. I like Bryce Harper, and he certainly was a disappointment last year. Uh, and I think he, well, at the same time, I think he is capable of turning in an MVP like season, just like Ryan said, that anything is possible for Harper, that he could be, uh, he could be kind of a disappointment. He could be great. He has a wide range of outcomes. He's still only 27. Uh, and he had a pretty good season last year. He's at 35 bombs, 114 RBIs, batted 260, stole 15 bases. A little bit of speed there for Harper. So I don't know. I think he can build on that, hopefully strike out a little bit less because when he does put the ball in play, he makes really great contact, as we've seen in the MVP year. So he's a, he's a high-quality player. I think he almost has become a little underrated, which is weird because he was probably a little overrated at the beginning of his career. But I think we've overcorrected a little bit on Harper. I'm going to have to say this about Harper. He's at the point of his career where he's going to have erratic years. There's going to be either a really good year or a really bad year. And I think this will be one of the good years for him. Bringing in Girardi, which is a segue to my next question, will help him out. Do you guys think Girardi puts this Phillies team on the right track? I, I mean, the role of the manager in today's world is so black, it, it's so gray. It's such a gray area because all we hear nowadays is GMs making decisions. But at the end of the day, one thing that's true about the manager position is that they need to get their guys prepared to play every day. And as a Yankee fan, I saw George Girardi 
squeeze the last ounce of juice out of every single one of his teams. If you want to look at that 2013 New York Yankees roster where A-Rod played 30 games, Teixeira, I think, played 15, Derek Jeter played 17, Granderson and Brett Gardner played 20 each. They were trotting out a 40-year-old Ichiro, a 38-year-old Vernon Wells. I, I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you who was on the mound opening day. I couldn't tell you the infield from left to right on opening day. It was probably like Andy Phillips, and it was a bunch of scrubs that entire year. And that team got 84 wins, maybe even 85. I'm not sure, but it was either 84 or 85. So if there's one thing that's true about Joe Girardi is that he definitely gets the life out of his players. I'm not sure if Joe Girardi is going to increase this team's win total by 10 or 15 games. I don't think that's a manager's job anymore. But I think he's very good with bullpen management. Fans will say otherwise just because that they fans are Monday morning quarterbacks. But nonetheless, Joe Girardi is a great manager. He's going to get the most out of these guys. Didi Gregorius is their opening day shortstop. Didi and Girardi had a great relationship. I don't think the Phillies are a legitimate threat to win a World Series this season, but they're going to be a playoff contender for sure. They're probably an 85-plus win team. 85 is a good number for them, Ryan. I like Girardi. I think that he adds a couple wins to their 2019 total. I believe they won 81 in 2019. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I like the hire. I think it's an improvement over Kapler, who maybe tried to be a little bit too unconventional with the way he managed the bullpen, not really having a concrete ninth-inning guy. He coined – kind of was one of the – at the forefront of the, like, high-leverage situation movement that we saw a couple teams pick up on. Uh, but I think that Girardi will get – get the most out of these guys and I think it makes the team a little bit better uh, I like them to compete like Ryan said too uh, I don't see them as a playoff team quite uh, I don't I don't think they're quite there but I 85 wins sounds about right for me gonna have to go a little bit over I think they'll have a good year segue into the next statement D.D. Gregorius will be the spark plug for this team is that an over or under reaction guys that that's not I think that's a perfect reaction to be completely honest with you. One thing I always said, I mean, the Yankees have had Aaron Judge be a household name and Gary Sanchez be a household name and Carlos Sands say we want about his injuries, but when he's healthy in that lineup, he might be the team's best hitter. But Didi Gregorius was by far my favorite player on the Yankees in the last 5 years and I'll tell you why. When Derek Jeter retired, no one thought of no one understood baseball without Derek Jeter. No Yankee fan knew what baseball was like. Dieter Gorius comes to New York. No one had ever heard of this guy. He was a 220 hitter, only known for playing good defense in Arizona for a barely 500 ball club. Comes to New York, hits 200 in his first two months. Everyone wants him. I remember he got booed off the field in his first opening day because he stole third with two outs and got caught stealing. So... Rightfully so. I mean, that's a pretty poor baseball decision. That's but a boo-boo. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. But, <laughs> but then all of a sudden, he turned it around, stopped making errors, became a 280, 290 hitter. 2017, he hit the most home runs ever by a Yankee, by a Yankee shortstop. Yankees are down 3 nothing in the wild card game. He ties the game up in the first inning with that bomb into the right field bleachers. The loudest I ever heard Yankee Stadium. It was the best game I ever went to by far. But Dieter Gregorius just had kind of a flair for dramatic. I know that you guys aren't Yankee fans, but he was kind of like the Tino Martinez of this generation. He, Tino Martinez had to replace Don Mattingly, an absolute legend. Dieter Gregorius had to, yep, yeah, for sure. Didi had to replace Derek Jeter, a tough task. They both struggled. They both turned it around. They both became fan favorites. Even when Gregorius struggled last year, I think he only hit like 235 or 240. But what does he do in the postseason last year? He had a grand slam into the second deck. I mean, this guy is a spark plug. No, I don't think he's a top seven shortstop in baseball anymore. But he has a flair for the, for the dramatic. He has power. He's one of the best fielding shortstops in the game. And I think this is a great pickup by Philadelphia. Yeah, I think it's a good pickup. Um, I think that he certainly makes that lineup a little bit more intimidating. It gives you a good bit of pop, uh, especially for a shortstop. 
uh, which is important in today's day and age when more and more shortstops are able to hit a whole lot of homers. You got to be able to keep up and get some power in the middle of the infield. Which, speaking of of which, I think he's a pretty good complement to Gene Segura. Segura giving you a little bit more average and speed to Gregorius's power, so they should balance each other out nicely. I think something just as important, though, as Gregorius joining the lineup will be Andrew McCutcheon coming back from injury. And that was a uh, was it an ACL tear last year, guys? When the yeah, that was a nasty injury, and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, that he can come back healthy from that. I'm sure we all are. Uh, but you know, McCutcheon still, still got some, some gas in the tank. He can hit for a little bit of pop himself. Uh, should be a good guy to get on base, draw some walks and set the table at the top of what's a pretty strong lineup. Most definitely. D.D. Gregorius did have to replace Jeter. People sometimes forget that. That will improve his value this year. He's on a one-year deal. I expect him to have a great year and get paid. Let's move on to the Nationals, guys. They brought in a lot of help on the third base question for them. They now have Starlin Castro, Isdrubal Cabrera, Wilmer Defoe, Ryan Zimmerman, Eric Thames, and Howie Kendrick. Have they thrown enough infielders at their conundrum at third base? I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't like them. And it's crazy to think because they literally are they're six months. Uh, it was only six months ago or five months ago that they won the World Series. But they won the World Series because they stayed away from that bullpen as much as possible in, in October. And, and they had phenomenal comebacks. Howie Kendrick with the home runs in Game 5 of the ALD, of the NLDS, excuse me, and uh, and Game 7 of the World Series. And then Juan Soto clearing the bases in the wild card game when they were down 3-1. to one. They had some awesome, dramatic moments, but they won that World Series because that starting rotation was phenomenal in October. And you look at that bullpen last year, guys, it was even worse than the Mets. And the Mets was pretty friggin' bad. So, so this Nationals bullpen... It's going to scare me. And, hey, you know what? If they can get six, seven innings from Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin every single day, then sure, they're going to shut me up. And I think that they do have a pretty good offense. And I think Eric Thames is going to be a pretty low-key good pickup for them. I think that he's going to hit a lot of home runs for them. But they are a significantly worse team than they were last year. They did not do much to help out their bullpen, which is very surprising. And I understand that starting pitching wins ball games and starting pitching wins championships, but I just think that you saw that that's how you won in October. I think you're going to – I would be very surprised if this starting rotation isn't taxed by July and August, and then it becomes to a point where their starters aren't 100% every time they go a fifth day. And I think that's going to hurt them. I think that the Nationals did what they had to do uh, in this offseason after they committed to Strasburg. Because we knew going in they weren't going to be able – or they probably weren't going to be able to pay Strasburg and Rendon. Uh, but they, and I think they made the right decision in picking Strasburg over Rendon also. I agree too. I think the arm is more important, especially playoff baseball. Uh, and Strasburg is, is kind of iconic for the franchise as well. You know, has been there for – like a decade now, it feels like. I think right about there. Uh, but, you know, with committing that money to Strasburg, they did, I guess, what they had to do in plugging in small uh, contract pieces to try and fill that void where Rendon left. And they got some guys with some potential. Uh, as a Cubs fan, I do still have some love for Starlin Castro. He can give you a good batting average and a little bit of power, uh, but he's not Anthony Rendon. He's not even close. Uh, and Estrubal Estrubal Cabrera to an extent as well. He's given you some pop. He's obviously given you some pretty good defense most of the time uh, and, and hitting for a pretty good average. But still, he's not Anthony Rendon. They're going to miss him in the lineup. And I really like what Ryan said that about their starting rotation and that they're going to really have to lean on them. And it is a great rotation. Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, Sanchez, and Joe Ross. That's Arguably the best in baseball. Uh, there you can make an argument for a couple other teams, but the bullpen is trash, like you said, Ryan. So I mean, I like the Nationals to be a playoff team. Probably the question for them is: is that lineup 
uh, good enough. I'm going to have to agree with Henry, disagree with Ryan here. I think Rendon, as a Mets fan, I have nightmares of this guy. This guy was a Met killer. He will help Michael Trout possibly reach the postseason this year. Just some bold statements. What is Juan Soto's ceiling, guys? His ceiling is the best player in baseball, honestly. I, I think he is uh, – I'm going to say it right now, he's my pick to win MVP this year. I think that it's very Ooh. tough to win an MVP when you have two top five players on your team, unless if you go absolutely crazy, which is why I'm even shying away from the fact that Mike Trout might win the AL MVP. And coming from a gambling standpoint, I think he was like even, and I hate that value. But I think if the Nationals, I'll say this, if the Nationals make the playoffs, I think Juan Soto wins MVP because he's, he's, just, he's awesome. Last year, he, I mean, what were his numbers last year? I think he had like 38 homers and that wasn't even all that he, so last year, 34 homers, 110 RBI, and he had a 949 OPS. And this guy's only getting better. We saw what he did in his age twenty, in his age nineteen season, I should say. He turned twenty one. I think it was three days before they won the World Series. So when this guy, think about it, when this guy was twenty, he was a top ten MVP candidate. This guy is here to stay for a long time. And without Anthony Rendon, this guy is really going to have to, no pun intended, step up to the plate. I think he will because he's that talented. And I think that if the Nationals are a postseason team again, or even if they come pretty close, I think even if, they, if they're like two or three games behind a, a playoff spot, but he goes crazy, and I think he will, he's going to win the most valuable player in the National League, in my opinion. I'm glad you touched on it, Ryan, because hardly uh, anybody talks about how Juan Soto is only 21. I think a lot of people forget about that. Uh as you may you may have never hear it on a baseball broadcast, especially in the postseason. Uh, but yeah, all jokes aside, <laughs> Juan Soto is a great hitter. Uh, MVP is certainly the ceiling. I he being you know I, we, I joke about it, but being twenty one, you think about him as a guy who could win three, four. I don't know how maybe more uh, MVPs down the road. He's going to be around for a long time. And already that that power in the bat and the on-base percentage is elite. He walks as much as anybody. It will be tough for him to win MVP this year in the NL. We got some other great players like Ronald Acuna uh, from Stanking in the division. And then you look Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger looking to defend uh, his title out west. He, Soto is great. He uh, He's going to have another great year. And he's going to have to if the Nationals lineup is going to make them a contender. I uh, you know I I think he could hit 40 home runs. I think that he can give you 120, 130 RBI and bat 300. The the sky is certainly the limit for Soto. Most definitely, I'm going to throw three names at you guys. Consider and factor in clutchness and every part of their game. Who is the best player right now? Christian Yelich, Acuna, or Juan Soto? I am going to go with Christian Yelich. I think that he is – I mean, they're all 5 tool players. But the fact that Christian Yelich has been hitting 320-330 over the past two seasons, I just got to give him the edge based on that because he's a lot more than just a power hitter. And I think that he is a phenomenal base runner. I personally think that he was the MVP over Cody Bellinger last year. Just my opinion – I know that I mean I know that what we saw from Bellinger early on in the season was incredible, but I think he had a bit of a drop off. I think he had like two fifty in the second half, so it just goes to show you what how incredible his first half was. But that's my answer, Christian Yelich. And I'll agree with Ryan on Yelich being the best right now. And I kind of do that reluctantly, because I was Slow to buy in on Yelich with his breakout uh, year before last, so two years ago now. It kind of seemed like he got really, really like best player in baseball good from almost out of nowhere. I mean, obviously he was good with Miami, but as soon as he goes to Milwaukee, he just takes off. And now he is a perennial MVP candidate, and we can have this argument about him being one of the very, very best players in the in the game. I think that eventually Ronald Acuna takes over. I think that 
you know, he's all, being so young and having two dominant years already that eventually Acuna could surpass Yelich, but I would expect Yelich to be better this year as well. And I have to say Acuna because he's simply so pivotal to Atlanta's scheme and strategy. But from a clutch standpoint, Juan Soto did everything he had to do to make a team that didn't deserve to win a World Series hot, scolding hot at the right time. And to go to Ryan's point, it's weird to say that they were champions because they just simply didn't seem like a team. But to go make an analogy, they sort of were like the 2007 New York Giants. They come in, they get hot at the right time, and they just kept it moving ever since. Let's get into over-unders, guys. All right. First off, we got Atlanta, 92 games, over or under? Over. What, I think they won, what, 97 last year? I mean, I mean, sure. I mean th- this team is good enough offensively where they can suffer, where they can win the same amount of games as last year, even without Josh Donaldson. And I think that Mike, again, I love Mike Soroka, and I, I like the rest of their rotation too. I know that they lost Dallas Keuchel. That, that, that's a bit of a big loss. He had a nice year for them. But, I mean, guys, if Freddie Freeman had this year that he had last year too, we didn't even talk, we barely talked about Freddie Freeman. Last year might have been the best year of his career, which was very low key. He's becoming like the Joey Votto of, over the last few years. I'm going Joey over 90. I, I'm going over 92 for Atlanta, and I think that's a lock. Yeah, that number seems low. Winning 97 last year, I don't see why they would get any worse. So I'm going over as well with Ryan all the way. I feel like I've been agreeing with you a lot uh, today, Ryan, but I think we got some of the similar some similar ideas on the division here. And, yeah, you, you, you said it. We forgot to mention Freddie Freeman, who's arguably, you know, he could, you could make a case he's one of the better players in the NL. And something else I remember too that we that we forgot to mention with the Braves is Marcelo Zuna. Did did we set, did we talk about him coming in? No, uh, we, we might have. Yeah, that's but great. that's more than maybe more than offsetting Donaldson. At least close. Uh, he makes that lineup that much scarier. And Cole Hamels coming in to replace Keuchel. I think that you could get some good innings out of Cole Hamels. He showed that he did have good stuff. The ERA was under three last year. Before getting hurt in May, coming back, or he came back and did struggle for the Cubs down the stretch. And I think they can get a little bit out of Cole Hamels and could be good experience for a playoff run. I easily like the Braves over 92. I actually want to combat, I'm still going to take the over, but with, I mean, I think we can all agree that the rest of these teams in this division are, are above 500. And I think that, I think we all think that the Mets and Phillies got better. So pretty much every team got better except for the Nationals. So if they're going to win over ninety two, I mean, where are these wins going to come from? You can't, you can't, you can't get all of them from the Marlins. You know what I mean? So I guess that plays a bit of a factor in it also. But uh, again, I'm going to stick with the over. They're they're very very good. Going to have to say over, guys. Watch out! It might be hot Atlanta's year. Getting into the next team, we got the Nationals at 90 games. Over under, guys. I took the Nationals under last year, and I lost that. It was looking great. It was looking great. They were 19 and 31 on June 1st, and I had an 88 and a half. And I was like, "This is great. I'm, I'm cashing out." And then, of course, they they became the best team on on earth. Uh, what is it? 90? Uh, I'm I'm doing it again. I'm going Nationals under. I don't like wow. them. I don't Kid like don't that. <laughs> Kid don't learn. Kid don't learn. <laughs> we do not condone any gambling of any sort on this show. Disclaimer. Eh, <laughs> debatable. Uh, I live that's... in Jersey, so <laughs> it's legal here. Stay away from that stuff. All right, Henry, what do you got? I wish I lived in a state where I could do that legally. Uh, but <laughs> I think that number is really close to what it ends up being. I could see that going either way. Part of me wants to think their pitchers can carry them and that the lineup is good enough to get there. Uh, the, the lineup is the big concern and for me to them getting to 90 wins. So I think they're right in that ballpark. I'll say over and maybe it, it might be right on 90 or maybe it's 91. I'm going to have to disagree and say under. Well, I'll disagree with you, Henry. I'm going to have to back Ryan here because I see some regression after a Obviously, a World Series title. I'm going to have to go under. All right, another high number in this division. New York Mets, 86 and a half. 
Over under, where are all of these wins coming from, guys? Uh, my bet has already been officially placed. I'm going over. Oh my God. <laughs> He's lying. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Kids do not gamble. No, I'm going over. And it's funny. When I was working with the Mets, they had their fan fest a couple of weeks ago. And me and Jeff McNeil were hanging out for a little bit. And we were just talking about just the upcoming season. And he was just like, yeah, they have us at 86 and a half. And I was like, I was like, that's an over, right? He was like, he said, and I quote, we sucked last year and won 86 games. So Jeff McNeil, so Jeff McNeil, uh, inside sources. I, I'm not making this up. Jeff McNeil thinks they're very good. Hey, I don't work there anymore. I'm doing all right. <laughs> but I think the I th- I like the Mets team. They like the team that they have. I think Luis Rojas is going to be a, a very good manager for them. I'm taking the over. I wasn't so sure, but now that I hear that straight from Jeff McNeil's mouth, I want to take the over too. <laughs> I mean, that's a good. Can't go against. He makes a great point, though. Like pretty much everything went wrong with the bullpen last year, mainly Edwin Diaz. But I mean, he's supposed to be their best bullpen guy. He was their main off-season acquisition. So I mean, I think Diaz gets a lot better, and they get a couple wins there from saves that don't get blown. Uh, You guys both make a great point too. Where are these wins coming from? If I'm picking every team to be over ninety something wins in the division this year. They'd have to be really good against out of division opponents, uh, which I. That's yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. Uh, you know, with Jeff McNeil's logic there, I'll go over. I think the pitching's strong enough, and the lineup is pretty good too. One of the better ones in the division, probably the second best behind Atlanta, I'd say. Well, I can't disagree with El Jefe, so I'm gonna have to go over, guys. All right, next team in the division. We have another 86 and a half. Philadelphia Phillies. Over, under, don't understand the math of this, but over, under, guys. <laughs> I'm going to go. Oh, I hate this number. This is tough. I'm going under simply because. God damn it. I don't know. No. I have no idea. I'm torn. If Bryce Harper can do what he does, I mean, they're going to go over. And I think that Didi, like we said it before, is a great pickup. And Gabe Kapler and Joe Girardi are polar opposites of each other. So, and you know, they did get Zach Wheeler. And I don't think Zach Wheeler is a Cy Young candidate. Hell, he hasn't even been an all-star yet in his career. But you know what? He He's an upgrade from what they've had in, in previous seasons. So, I'm going to go over... Barely, I, I don't think they win much more than 90, but I do think that George Rowdy makes a difference. I think Zach Wheeler makes a difference. I think that Didi Gregorius makes a difference. They just got to play 162 games and stop thinking that the season ends on August 31st. I'm going under on this one, uh, almost out of necessity because I, I got to have somebody under. They're not all going to just win every game in the division. Somebody's got to lose. Uh Everyone All right, it could happen. There, there's a chance. I'm, I'm still going to go under here. Uh, for all the reasons Ryan said, I like their I like their lineup. I like Joe Girardi. Uh, but I don't – I'm not totally convinced that their starting pitching is there. Uh, I think there's question marks all throughout with Nola. I mean, Wheeler has been shaky at times too. They, they all have upside. Arietta too. You saw him. Cy Young not so long ago, but hopefully he can stay healthy. But I, yeah, I think they're better than last year, maybe 84, 85 wins, so I'm taking the under. And I have to say over on 86 in the hook, watch out for the Phillies disguise. All right, we got the Marlins now. Someone has to be the loser, right, guys? At a measly 64 games, over or under? 64. I'm going to go under here. Because I feel like if you went over, and I know I kind of just did this with Philly, you're kind of pushing your pins and needles because I don't think that they're like a 70-win team. I mean, could they win 66 and 67? Of course they can. But uh, they're still – they're just – they're not good, obviously. Outside of Sandy Alcantara, who himself – I mean, I think he can be a very nice starter for them in the future. But they don't have the pieces – 
uh, Henry, you mentioned Brian Anderson also, but he has yet to stay healthy for a full season. I think that hurts. They got the nice pickups, but Jesus Aguilar is not the all-star that we saw a couple of years ago. Corey Dickerson is not the borderline also that we saw in Pittsburgh and Tampa a couple of years ago. And they just don't have a lot of protection in this lineup at all. I'm going to go under. And Q, you said it was 64 was the number? 64. Yeah, they won 57 last year. And I think they clearly got better. Did they get seven games better? Probably not. I think it's maybe more like five or six games. Uh, And then you factor in that the rest of the division seems to have improved as well, uh, maybe with the exception of the Nationals. So I'll probably ride the under on this one. But I do like some pieces in Miami. I don't think they're the worst team in baseball. Uh, There's plenty of of other teams you could make an argument for, but still obviously not going to compete. So. Not a not a great season ahead for Miami. Highlight the strength of this division just de facto by, you know, empirical means. It has to be under. This division has got so good, guys. Segue into the next point. Is this the best division in all of baseball? You see these win totals. People are projecting this division to be a nail-biter. Will it live up to the hype? It's probably the toughest, but I don't think it's going to be the best Because I don't think any of these teams are total powerhouses. And I think Atlanta, I've been talking very highly about the Braves um, this entire episode. But I don't think that they're a a powerhouse just yet. I think that the best division is probably the West because the Dodgers are a powerhouse. The Diamondbacks, believe it or not, are pretty close. And you know what? It will not surprise me if if Colorado even winds up being an 85 or 90 win team also. And the the, same thing with the Padres. They have some star power, and they're coming up very soon. And the Giants are the Giants. But toughest, sure. Best and tough are two different definitions, in my opinion, though. So I'm not going to go with the best division, but I I do think that that it is the toughest. And I think it might be the best. It's certainly up there. And I think part of that is not only do you have the four teams that could reasonably contend, I don't think the Marlins are as bad as some of the other bottom feeders around baseball. Like, say, if we were to make a case for the AL East, I wouldn't say the Marlins are quite as bad as the Orioles and dragging down the bottom there. But I agree with Ryan's point, too, that there's not really that super team. There's no Yankees uh, in the NL East. The Braves are good, but not quite that good. Uh, It will certainly be a tough race, Uh, but I think the NL Central could even be tougher. I think those four teams at the top are a little bit closer together, uh, with Pittsburgh being the bottom feeder in the Central. There's a case to be made that the East is the best division. Uh, I'm not sure. I I think it it might be. I'd probably lean that way. NL East is the best division in all of baseball. Mail it in. All right. Who do we got as the Cy Young winner this year? Am I really about to go Jacob DeGrom again? (laughs) You can't go against him. You can't. I mean, Scherzer is still Scherzer. He's unbelievable. But, I mean, Jacob DeGrom has been dominant for two years. Do I think he's legitimately going to win a Cy Young Award a third time in a row? I don't. That's so hard to predict. But he is the best pitcher in baseball. And that's not an opinion. So, you know, screw it. I'll say DeGrom was a third one. Why not? The guy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I tend to agree with Ryan. It's, it's so hard to pick against DeGrom here. If you were going to, Scherzer makes it a lot easier. I think they're two of the three best pitchers in baseball. Uh, but I think DeGrom is really that guy. And he's younger, too. You see a little bit less mileage on the arm. The ERA has shown that over the last couple of years. Uh, so I don't know. He strikes people out at a elite rate. What more could you want from a guy uh, other than a little bit more run support? But I think the Mets are in a good position to give that to him this year. I'd pick DeGrom. Uh, DeGrom. Sorry, guys. I can't say players' names today for whatever reason. <laughs> but uh, but DeGr- DeGrom. DeGrom would be my guy. You can't go against DeGrom, guys. Three in a row. Mailed it in. All right. Who is the MVP of the NL East? 
Ryan, hit it. I said it before. I'll say it again. I think if the Nationals make the postseason, it's going to be Juan Soto. If they don't, here's a bold one, Pete Alonso. Uh, I'm going to go back to the gambling aspect here because I live on FanDuel. But he's like 40 to 1 odds to he's win lying, MVP. Guys. Kids do not, <laughs> do not condone that. <laughs> some of maybe some of us don't. I'm not saying I condone it, but I'm not going to say stay away from it because I think it'd be beneficial. But nonetheless, I mean, the guy hit 53 home runs last year, and he was top, and he finished eighth in the MVP conversation. He's and the man, baby. Yes. <laughs> so, so the guy, the guy's very, very talented. I those are going to be. Uh, I think Soto is my official pick. But it wouldn't surprise anyone if Pete Alonso is on the rise too. All right, I finally found something I can disagree with Ryan on, and that is because you left me Ronald Acuna for my MVP pick. I think Acuna will follow up his near forty-four season with our near forty-forty season with an actual forty-forty season. I think he gets there this year and is the best player on the division-winning Braves. Acuna it is. Watch out for 50-50 this year because the dude's about to do it. All right, we almost gave you an hour here. The nitty-gritty, what you've been waiting for. Who wins the NL East, guys? Mets. That's my pick. I think I think from top Ooh. to bottom. No, scratch that. I'm, Jeff McNeil. I'm, 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 no, all right, never mind. I'm, I'm going with Atlanta. I'm going with Atlanta. The Mets are are, are going to finish second though, and I think they're going to and I think they're going to get uh, that first wild card spot though. I think that they could be with Atlanta, but I do think that Atlanta is just has it has a little bit more talent than them. But I don't think the Mets are very far behind, especially if they get. I mean, if they get this same, if they get a good production from their bullpen this year, I think that's obviously their biggest question mark then they're a 90-plus win team. I'm going to go with Atlanta, but the Mets are right there, especially if their bullpen performs. I was excited for a second. I thought I was going to have another chance to disagree with you, Ryan, but... Uh, I forgot I forgot Atlanta was Atlanta a Atlanta is my pick to win the division again, although I think... I, too, think we could be finding Nemo in a wild-card spot with, with the Mets getting there. I got Atlanta and... Watch out, guys. The NL East will have both wild cards in the Nationals and the Mets. This is Exit Velo, NL East Preview. I'm your host, Christian Q. All right, have a good night, and stay crispy, folks. Peace. Hey.